You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> Welcome to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Walker Mail, Nada Edwards here with you. Presented by the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Check us all out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe, and at Doug Branson LOH. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Lockdown Hornets. We're going to talk about the Kings game last night. The Hornets, they do get a victory in that one. So a two-game winning streak. I don't know if, if it's a winning streak until you win three in a row, but we've been now, deprived of a few wins here recently. So I'm going to say it's a winning streak, and hopefully they can get a true one against the Suns this weekend. 114-95, so a good win for them. Uh, we'll talk about a possible... Maybe fast return for Cody Zeller. He was out there practicing. He didn't have a cast on today. So it could be anything from it was the four to six weeks he was originally reported out. And so hopefully it's closer to the four week mark, maybe a little bit before. You know, hopefully we'll see. Yeah. And uh, also at the end of the show today, our last segment, we're going to talk about the five worst Hornets moment in 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 Charlotte history. Oh, this is going to be fun. Dan Levitard in the local hour. So if you're unfamiliar with the show. ESPN's The Dan Levitard Show with Stu Gatz. Mm -hmm. They have a local hour, and then the rest of the show is national. It's three hours of a national show. But in the local hour, they were discussing the top five Dwayne Wade moments. Yes. And yep, one of those moments was Dwayne Wade going off against Purple Shirt Guy. They had that as a top five Dwayne Wade moment. So we said probably a bottom five Hornets moment. What do you and, mean probably? Well, and you know, we've we've got some things to work with now. What I love about this is that we texted Doug for some help. We came up <laughs> we had a couple of ideas of our own. Me and you, Nada, we came up with a couple of ones that automatically come to the forefront of your mind when you think of the worst Charlotte Hornets moments of all time. And then we texted Doug, said, Hey Doug, just wanted to hear some of your thoughts on this. Is there anything that we're missing? And then the dots never stop coming. No, literally, like he's still texting us <laughs> as we're recording this, guys. A lot of pain that man has gone through as a Charlotte Hornet fan, and he's already sick. And he's got a lot of different things that he contributed to this list. And I don't know if any of them are really worse than what. Maybe a couple of them are some worse them than are some really of the bad. ones that we thought of. But there's also some funny ones. So stick around for that list. That should be fun to end. It is going to be a fun Friday. We're going to live that in every sense of the phrase. But first, we will get to this game last night that the Hornets actually got a dub against the Sacramento Kings. So here's a team that they lost to on this road trip. They lost, I believe, 104 to 97. They did. But the one thing about that game, nada, that James Borrego, he did point out after this game, right? He said, our defense has really turned a corner ever since our game out in, San in Sacramento. Yeah, he's right, too. They've actually played really, really great defense. I was kind of surprised. I was at the game last night. I was surprised to see as well as they've played net defense. Uh, just that they played that well on defense because they started off pretty bad. It was a 13-3 run to start off the game for Sacramento, and after that, they only managed to score 25 points in that quarter. The fact that they recovered after that early snafu was kind of a, real, a testament to them locking in on defense and showing up. So allowing 104 points to the Kings, not bad. 
I think you allow not, not if, if you allow 104 points to an NBA team this day and age, then you did a pretty solid job defensively. You allow 93 points to the San Antonio Spurs, excellent, mm-hmm. and you allow 95 points to the Kings. Not of the last two games, the Hornets have not allowed the opposing team to have a 30-point quarter. That is excellent for the Charlotte Hornets because James Borrego said that that was something he wanted to prohibit this team from doing. Hadn't been able to, but this has been, in Borrego's words, the best stretch of defense that this team has played, he thinks, all season long. I don't disagree. And the fact that it was a, one of those games was against one of the hottest teams in the league when it came to best record since December in San Antonio you can only be encouraged that, hey, this may be able to be a thing going forward. Are there going to be lapses? Are they going to give up big runs? Yes, because it's the NBA. But when you start looking at guys like MKG starting to guard their man, you're starting to see less defensive lapses from a Jeremy Lamb. Kemba's locked in. Marvin's doing what he's always doing. You get the occasional semblance of like solid defensive play from Billy Hernan Gomez, and we'll talk about him more <laughs> later. But He, he hurt us. Co- Right. He, he did hear us yes. after his performance last night, which was fine. Yeah, I, I think it was my calling him La Puerta Batiente. Right. Like, he understood exactly what I meant when I said that. So he's listening, and well, we appreciate that. he does speak Spanish. Listen. I would imagine he does understand exactly what you're saying because of his native tongue. But also, you see the defensive effort from Billy Hurd and Gomez. It, it really is from everybody on this team, at least from what they've done the last couple of games. And really, the only guy they didn't have an answer for, I feel like, was Buddy Heald. You know, Buddy Heald. Yeah. Man, I'm I'm kind of having a little bit of a crush on Buddy just watching his numbers this season. He goes 9 of 18, 6 of 11 from 3. They seem like they didn't have an answer for him, but everybody else, you know, they you had a couple of bench contributors. Marvin Bagley was fine off the bench, 15 points. You know, Bogdanovich had 17 points. He was keeping him in that game for a while early in that game. Yes, yes he was. Um, but De'Aaron Fox, they held him to 10, only four I field goals made. I felt bad for Harry Giles for a while. Yeah, Harry Giles just it seemed like he was turning it over. A couple of times here and there. He had four turnovers in this game. He and was it, turning it over. He was getting picked on. Like, I just remember one stretch late <laughs> where he managed to foul two different guys, get into foul trouble. And then at the end of the game, it's five fouls. Again, there's like maybe 30 seconds left in the game. He fou- he wants to get, get out early or head to the showers early. So what does he do? He fouls out with like 30 seconds left and we're shooting free throws for no reason. You're so right about that. Like I wasn't even looking at his particular stat line before you mentioned that. But now looking at his stat line, listen to this. In 16 minutes played. So it's not like yeah. he was involved a whole lot in this game. In just the 16 minutes that he did play, he went 0 of 3 from the field. Mm-hmm. He went to the foul line four times hit one of those shots mm-hmm. only had four rebounds did have four assists which is actually pretty good but had four turnovers in 16 minutes had six fouls dude had six fouls yeah. in the 16 minutes and only finished up with one point point. and the lasting image I have of Harry Giles from that night last night was him on the floor angry because he got bumped on his way trying to make a basket and another one was just him not being able to handle the basketball in a pass and mind you he almost got buried by Miles Bridges and a nice strategic foul by him because he went up to <laughs> try and challenge him got him got bridges on the wrist and after that like bridges went and hit i think two free throws in that after that but he almost got buried on a poster t- last night too i'm pulling for harry giles because yeah. we i want to see him do well but last night was just not his night the defense overall it was the story of this game as well as the bench was the story of this game i think one guy that you look at in particular we've seen tony parker do this a million times he did it again last night in just 18 minutes 
14 points and six assists. Tony Parker, once again, what else is new? Guy's incredible. Yeah, and, he was. He and, was. But the other guy that I want to point out is Michael K. Gilchrist. Yeah, at the beginning, really set the tone for the bench, giving you 15 points, and a lot of those points came early. A perfect 7 of 7 from the free throw line. Now, the funny thing is, if I would have told you that Michael K. Gilchrist was the leading scorer going into halftime. How much? How down do you think the Hornets were going to be? <laughs> I would I would have bet that they would have been down, and I would not have believed you had you even told me he was going to be the leading scorer for a certain while, not even just off the bench, but for the entire team at some point. And I want to look at his game log because I feel like MKG had not had that much of an impact offensively in, in recent games. You know, there was that stretch at the beginning. He did it? I think he did it last Saturday against the Kings. Though. So eleven points against the Kings. Where he had five field goals. There was the three-point game that he had against the Spurs in between then, but then it was five, eight, seven, seven, six, five. You have to go all the way back to their loss in Washington where he scored 11 before he had another double-digit output. So it had been a while, and MKG wasn't really racking up too many 20-minute nights. I mean, you had to get to that Sacramento game in mm-hmm. Sacramento before he gave you over 20 minutes. Before that, he had gone 18 against Portland, 19 against the Clippers, 16 against Phoenix, 16 against Denver 14 against Dallas, which the garbage time game don't know how much stats mean and anything yeah. for that one. But still, it was nice to see MKG at least have a big impact offensively. And I felt like we just haven't seen him in the rotation as much and have as big of an impact offensively as much. Got 15 points from him early in this game. It was one of the biggest things because he was one of those guys that was bringing them back. And remember, they were down, I think, at least 13 early and they got back in the second quarter and a lot of that was off of defense and hustle points and the fact that MKG at the four was just they couldn't guard him and he was just getting to the rim at will for a long time. Miles Bridges, another guy we need to talk about mm-hmm. before we go to break. Now, Miles, we had talked about hitting the rookie wall. Yes. It had been a guy that we, we see these rookies go through this all the time where you're essentially playing an entire season of basketball before you even play the second half of the season. If you're one of these guys that come in just from high school, just as a freshman from college, you're not used to this type of longevity throughout a season, playing this many games. And so now we've seen Miles' the last two games step up in a big way. Against the Spurs, he scored eight points. Against the Kings last night, both games, by the way, he played meaningful minutes. He played uh, efficiently, going four of five against the Spurs, going six of nine against the Kings, and finished with 15 points last night, got some good rebounds, and then had a highlight dunk for us that we hadn't seen. Um, He had a highlight dunk in the last couple of games for us, and we hadn't really seen that, I feel like, in a while. So now, Miles, it's good to see him in a positive connotation once again. feel like it's been a little bit since we had. One thing that I do believe, though, and I think I was was watching the uh, Hornets coaches show with Borrego, Chris Kroger, Matt Richinski of of Hornets.com, and one thing Brago did mention was that he felt like he had neglected Miles Bridges in not getting him sets, not getting him plays. And the fact that we're seeing him them run plays for him to get him to go to the basket, the three-pointer's probably not going to be there this year. It might not even be there next year. But the fact that you having this, he's having this impact, his defense is still a work in progress, but he's working on his closeouts. He's getting better. And if you continually give him those minutes, it may be a nice little alternative if Batum starts playing passive, which he didn't last night. But if he starts playing passive, you're going to have Miles Bridges step up, Miles Bridges take more minutes. And then the fact that, again, just got to worry about his defense. And if he gets that set, 
he'll be he'll be on the floor 15, 20 minutes a night, easy. And there was just a two-game stretch where we saw Borrego not play Miles Bridges. There was the two-game stretch where he played three minutes and he played zero minutes. Those a lot games, of that had to do with defense. Yeah, against Brooklyn and against Washington. But really, we haven't seen Miles go so far out of the rotation where he's played single minutes anywhere but those two games. You look at every single other game that has happened this season, besides the Miami game on the road at the very beginning of the season, right? So three games, Miles Bridges has played single-digit minutes. That's not true for Malik Monk. Malik Monk, there have been times where Borrego has been frustrated defensively with Malik where he has not played him. And you look at against San Antonio, Malik only played five minutes. Mm -hmm. You go against Dallas, even in garbage time. Malik Monk only played five minutes. Go to Detroit and Cleveland in December. Malik Monk got zero minutes for both of those games. And I'm I'm sure I'm missing injuries because Malik has been a little banged up here and there. Yes. But for the most part, you go to Utah in November. You go to Atlanta in November. That was a back-to-back game stretch where he played six and eight minutes. Go to OKC on the road. He played zero. He was not injured for that one. You know, go to Boston. He played eight. I mean, these are times, right? Like that's a lot of games that it I is. just rattled off that were below ten minutes of him actually logging that kind of action. And Miles Bridges, we haven't seen that from him. Yeah. Like James Brego has stuck with him for the most part, right? We haven't seen too many where he's played under ten minutes. Only three times for Miles. Not the case for Malik. Now, the one thing about that though is, I believe that's a lot of the coach going to his guy. Now, not necessarily, again, Malik Monk isn't necessarily Borrego's guy. Well, it and wasn't Steve's either. <laughs> that's true, too. That is very, very true. <laughs> that, that's the thing about Malik, right? That That's the thing that worries you is Malik's not anybody's guy right now. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't Steve Clifford's guy, and Steve Clifford was the guy that was here when he was drafted. It was Rich Cho's guy. And Borrego, the one thing Borrego did do, though, was we talked about it a million times, and I loved Doug's phrasing of it at the beginning of this entire process, was that Borrego did attach himself at the hip to Malik Monk and his player development. You know, everybody was going around James Borrego praising him, saying, you know what, he's going to be the guy that plays Malik, and he's going to develop. And it's just, it, it's still, it's it's concerning. It's his second year, and we'll have to talk under that caveat every single time we talk about Malik. Mm-hmm. But still... It's concerning when he falls out of favor that much, and a guy like Miles, who is a rookie, is not falling out of that much favor. I also think it's a strength issue because we've seen times where Malik has gotten a slight bump, and he's in the first row of the stands. <laughs> he's so small. He is so tiny. Like <laughs> At some point, maybe not playing him may work to his benefit because he's not going to have the knocks that normal guys have at this time. I, w- I do wonder, though, at some point, is this going to be a point where they're just going to go to Defonte full-time at the two? And I'm not sure that's any better. All right, we need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page. For as little as $1 a month, just $1, you'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Patreon.com slash LOH. Again, that's Patreon.com slash LOH. Kimba Walker, can you believe it, has another article written about him. We'll talk about that next year on Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. Careful. 10, Al Jefferson. 9, Anthony Mason. 8, Gerald Walk. 7, Baron Davis. 6, Del Curry. 5, Glenn Rice. 4, Muggsy Bogues. 3, Larry Johnson. 2, Alonzo Mourning. Nice. Number 1, top Charlotte Hornet of all time, Kimba Walker. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. The list Ow. is done. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Please listen carefully. 
these new beats? What are these from? You bringing your own no spice into the game? What's going on? I just I just found it and I hit the button. I was like, okay, let's go. With All this. right, I'm listening carefully. That's new, but I like it. I Th- like it too. All right, thanks for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I told you before we went to the break that there was another article written about Kimba Walker. There's been a lot of these. Not, yeah, none by me. I, I, which, right. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, so I can't be happy about Which this. you always feel some type of way about. Yes. Zach Lowe wrote one, and Zach Lowe is one of the guys that everybody, when he drops an article, everybody stops what they're doing. They go and read Zach Lowe. Mm-hmm. And when he dropped that Kimba piece, what was it, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, something like yes, that? Yes, I'm, I'm still very bitter about that, too. That had you feel in some type of way. So now Jonathan Abrams. Yes, the guy that wrote the book on The Wire. <laughs> a show that, mind you, you have not seen. And that might be a bottom 10 Hornets moment, too. It's just a bottom Walker moment, right? It, yes. It's a bottom, maybe it's a bottom Hornets moment because I'm affiliated with yes. them, I guess, through the podcast. Yes. But it's just about a me moment. And I fully take that responsibility. I am just not shocked, but it is kind of surprising to see how much national love is coming towards Kimba's way. Like, we have seen Zach Lowe write an article. We've Mm -hmm. seen Jonathan Abrams write an article. We've seen him go on the jump. Mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of national love head towards Kimba Walker. And it's just, one... It's not coming his way if he didn't get off to the start that he did this season. Yeah, 60 points will will get you a lot of love. (laughs) And and good performances sandwiching that, right? I mean, on either side of it. You know, there was a bad month in December, but I feel like we had seen so much of the good Kimba before. We had kind of given him a pass on, okay, we're we're not going to pay attention to this bad December. And now Kimba has kind of came back from that. You know, he's he's performed a lot. So what we've seen from Kimba, it's just, we. I don't know. Look, I, I wasn't in my prime article reading space when I was, you know, when Alonzo Mourning was here. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 26 years old, right? So I wasn't exactly reading all the articles about Alonzo Mourning when he was with the Charlotte Hornets. I wasn't exactly reading about Glenn Rice, who is going to be honored this weekend, by the way. Saturday. Right. I, I wasn't, it, it didn't seem like there was this much attention, though. It didn't seem like there have, has been this much attention surrounding a guy as, as much as there is with Kimba Walker, as, as there has been with anybody else within this organization, Kimba's getting the most and, and more than anybody than anybody has playing for this organization. But a lot of that is the digital media landscape. That's true. Like, again, this is still Charlotte is still a top 25 market. And when you have an NBA team, that's going to garner you a little bit of favor. Now, granted, it works only one way. It might work the other way if you're that putrid. See the, the <laughs> 7 and 59 year. But the big thing for Kemba is that he's what? Probably a top five point guard, maybe even top three this year. He's going to get this kind of love, especially when, oh, yeah, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Well, and and it's just we've seen him bring it to a new level. And I guess I'm not I guess I'm not shocked that he's getting this kind of love when you see the kind of way that he is performing. But it is just it's unfamiliar for us. Yeah. I mean, we are not used to this kind of attention. Right. I mean, we we've seen Kimba get so much love about the Charlotte Hornets, where the Hornets are a topic on around the horn. Kimba is a topic on around the horn, whether he can win an MVP or not. You know, whether you know, We're not seeing any of these guys go on the jump. I mean, when's the last time that you actually cared about a Hornets player appearing on a national television show before Kimba Walker? I mean, even... Muggsy Bogues on Space Jam. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's right. I mean, it was Muggsy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was it. You know, you're getting LJ, you're getting Zoe. I mean, you you're just weren't getting all that much. And now, and Kimba is a true Hornet in every sense of the word. And I think this is what this article, it, it talks a lot about his relationship with the city. 
Yeah, because it it starts off with him at a Dave and Buster's in the suburbs. So it you know, Pineville. You're you're thinking Pine- that, or maybe I don't know Concord. Maybe why I, would I, he go to Concord? Well, Concord Mills. Yeah, I don't know. It's not no, too far from you, Charlotte. Like, literally. I don't know. I'm just saying other Dave and Busters. I don't know. I didn't know that was a point of contention with you. It is a point of contention. (laughs) I didn't realize that. But it starts off with him playing Papa Shot at a Dave and Busters, and there's a couple kids that he plays with. Set the record. Right. He he set a record there, which I want to go set the record wherever he did, by the way. I want to go see if I can do it. But it's just it goes to show the relationship that he has with the city and how he kind of likes the quote, he calls it the country because he's from New York. Right. But it's like the city country and yeah. how, how much he likes the flow, the vibe of the city. And it's all about whether that money's going to talk enough if offered by another team to pry him away from Charlotte. And this is somebody that has talked about his love here. And at least it seems genuine. And I, I don't doubt that it's not genuine. I just, again, when different things are in play, things that you can't account for, like your feelings when other teams want you. Maybe they're contenders that are offering you just as much money as the Hornets do or just as much money as they can, and it's not enough for the Hornets to keep you. You know, who knows what Kimba's going to decide? But there is a genuine love for the city that Kimba has. There is a genuine love for the city. And I again, just to shill my own work at this point, I did the season preview for Dime for the Charlotte Hornets this year. And I said for them to have a successful season, it's to do whatever it takes to keep Kemba Walker. I think as long as they make the playoffs, he's staying. There's already rumors right now floating around that this is a done deal. Now, granted, I don't want these rumors to get to the league office because then we have a Joe Smith situation. And I'd rather not have that. But I think I think it's a done deal. I think he's saying I think I think he's staying. I also think. That this has been, like, if you read between the lines, I've said on this podcast before that he's not going to New York. He hates New York. He even, like, literally, he states that in this piece right now. I do think that this is a done deal. I think this is done. I think he's staying mainly because I think he likes the consistency of what Charlotte is. Well, and I agree with you that he's probably going to stay. It's just, it's so interesting. Just... You wonder just with Kimba how we think of him as fans because one of the things that Abrams talks about, Abrams talks about a lot of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast mm-hmm. every day. You know, it's he a, might listen to this podcast. He, he, he might. Shout out to Abrams. We appreciate you joining us, man. He talks about a lot of just Kimba's lore within the franchise history mm-hmm. and discusses if his jersey will ever hang from the rafters. And I think if he were to leave in free agency, I think that there would be a debate. Like I would imagine, there shouldn't be anymore. I, I understand. I would imagine a lot of fans want Kimba's jersey in the rafters right now. Like I imagine a lot of fans don't care that he hasn't retired yet. They don't care that he's still playing for the organization. They want his number up there right now, or even he retires with another team. I'm sure a lot of fans want it there. But I don't think there's any question if he signs another long-term deal here and he finishes. You know, if he plays 12 years of his NBA career here, you know, whatever, then, then it is a done deal. But it's interesting because he goes on, you know, we've talked about this. Yes. Zoe won a finals with another team. Larry jo- Larry Johnson was in the finals mm-hmm. with another team. You know, Baron Davis played for a couple of different other teams. You know, Muggsy Bogues is, as much as I love Muggsy, He's more mis- of a novelty than yeah. he is a great basketball player. And Dell's the sixth man. And Dell is the sixth man. And so now here we have Kimba, who is going to be a third-time All-Star, possibly an All-NBA performer. And an All-Star starter, possible, too. And sure. You know, is that going to be, you know, 
the three-time accolade winner, is that going to be a guy that gets his jersey in the rafters even if he does better things with another franchise? And I think that's interesting. I, I just it, it, They I talk about that in this article. I don't think it's a debate anymore. I think the minute he got that scoring record, Last year, I think it st- it stopped. I mean, he's the greatest Hornet ever. If you're not going to retire his jersey, who are you going to do it for? Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I think Kimba should. I think a lot of fans agree, and, and I agree. It's just interesting. Like, if he signs another one, then it's still – then I think there is absolutely no argument to be had. No, right? if, if he signs this deal in this summer – I want the first game to be the retirement jersey <laughs> right, ceremony. Right, right. Thanks we for might as well just reti- retire it now. <laughs> yes, we're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. If Kimba did leave, I think that would be a bottom five Charlotte Hornet moment. Are we getting into it? But he hasn't yet, and we'll get into that on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. The one draft pick you hit on was Kimba Walker, and you, you drafted Bismack Biamba before him. Oh! You got it right the second time, which is great. I am too smart. SMRT. But you drafted Biombo before Kimba Walker. So, <laughs> again, you almost messed that one up as well. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Doug's last message that he sent to me was after listing some of the other things that maybe we didn't think of in contention for bottom five Hornets moments in the Charlotte organization history, the last text he sent to me was, I could keep going, but now I feel sicker. And this is somebody that is feeling under the weather right now. Yeah. Yeah. He he, he really did just... He rattled off a decent amount. Yeah. I felt bad. I, I did not mean for us to put Doug in that kind of place. Speak for yourself. I was kind of happy. At <laughs> you that. are. You you are diabolical. All right. Let's look at now again, just in case you uh, this radio walker coming out at me. No, uh, no, no. That's again. fine because some people like to skip ahead. So <laughs> I, I, in I case don't, they missed the right. great Kemble Walker discussion, right. they skipped all the way to the third segment. So we, we said this at the top of the podcast. We said... That Dan Levitard in the local hour that he does, he does a local hour, then he does a national show after that. In that local hour, they were discussing Dwayne Wade and that a top five Dwayne Wade moment was his performance against the Charlotte Hornets and in particular against Purple Shirt Guy. Yeah, I wanted to vomit when when I heard that. That was a top five Dwayne Wade moment. So Doug said that's probably a bottom five Hornet moment. Yes. And then it got us thinking, what are? the bottom five moments in Charlotte Hornets history. So I want to do this together rather than us have our own list. So I'm going to list a couple of just things. I'm going to put them out there. We're going to try to rearrange yeah, we're, them all we're together. Hash this out. Yeah. And if we forgot anything, listeners, feel free to tweet at any of us at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe, at Doug Branson L O H. Enter your enter my mentions at your own peril. I'm warning you now. Well and you know how Nada is on Twitter. Nada is crazy on Twitter. He will come at you. So please I don't I don't know why there would be any point of contention for anybody doing this. May I, I maybe I could see that. You know, I, with I me, uh, again, yes. I'm a lightning rod. Some of this is by design. <laughs> most of it isn't. Yeah, right. So tweet at any of us, and of course, the show handle, at Locked on Hornets. So the first thing I'll put out there, it, it's the number one moment to me. I, I feel like it's the number one thing that I thought of when you think of bottom five Hornets moments. Yes. It's losing the team in 2002. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Right. I do, do not disagree. Okay. So that that has to be a bottom five somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, the other one, the ones that we thought of, missing out on Anthony Davis in the lottery. And I feel and what comes with well, it. And, and it comes with the seven and 59 season. So let's talk this out. Like, is that encompassed in one? Because the seven and 59 season is one thing, right? But then I feel like the offseason, it almost is the blooming flower of hope that just hasn't opened its petals yet. And then as soon as you don't get Anthony Davis, it just shrivels away. No, that's, you know what it is? You're half, you're half right there. Okay. What it's is it? the blooming flower. And, and the petals are opening up. Okay. And you know what happens? A dog urinates. Yeah, okay, it. that's fine. No, you're right. It's David Stern. Yeah. It's David Stern. He grows a tail. He grows two other legs. And he just urinates all over the flower. Yes. So we don't get, despite having the worst winning percentage in NBA history for a season, the Charlotte Hornets, then Bobcats, do not get a chance. And by the way, it was going to be Anthony Davis 100%. Yeah. I mean, that was a decided number one overall pick. It was kind of like maybe people had pushed back on Brandon Ingram and Ben Simmons, but it was like Ben Simmons just a couple of years ago. And that's proven to be right. And it's proven to be right. And Anthony Davis, that was the number one pick. Yeah. So it's not like we would have screwed that up. They would have picked Anthony Davis, and they missed out on that one. So if you want to encompass those two, that's fine. No, I, because I, you got to remember, there are so many different moments in that. In the 7-59 and 59 season. In, seven, in the 7-59 seven yeah. season. I mean, you have Rudy Gay basically telling Bismack Biombo, you have seven wins. It's everybody's house. <laughs> you also have, if I, don't, if I remember rightly, you have Paul Silas, elderly, old man strength, <laughs> Paul Silas, shoving Tyrus Thomas into a locker so bad that it ruined Ty- Tyrus Thomas and they had to use the stretch provision. <laughs> again, there's more to this. There was the, again, can you tell I've been to 20 of those home games that year and I still suffer from the damage? That's like, that's not a moment. That's an umbrella, man. I mean, that's that 7-59 and 59 season. There were so many. We could come up with five just off of that season. We absolutely could. That would be worthy of the bottom five franchise moments if you just wanted to take sheer moments the other one we'll get to weight in purple shirt guy oh now, that God. was one that's what started all this anyway um the other ones that we brought what about zoe wanting to move i think now this is kind of fringe worthy you know it's like fringe zoe wanted out of charlotte and since then he's given love back to the city when I mean, we've honored him right mm-hmm. i mean he has been part of this 30th anniversary but zoe did want to go to miami and there was a trade but that trade it did bring glenn rice like- so it, it was one of those six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. And, and we we all love us some Glenn Rice. I mean, Glenn yes. Rice was awesome. And again, they are going to honor him this weekend against the Phoenix Suns. So that's going to be very cool to see. But Zoe wanting to move, you know, I like you got Glenn Rice out of that. So, you know, maybe maybe Zoe's not that bad. Look at you, Mr. Optimism. Yeah, you know, I, I right. I understand. Uh, losing game seven to the Bucks. That's a bad one because yeah. Yeah. You, you win that one. Then you go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and it would be the only appearance that you would have in Hornets history in the Eastern Conference Finals had you just won that game against Milwaukee. Yeah, but here's the thing. Did you really want Allen Iverson, like peak Allen Iverson, in in old, <laughs> old in the hive, just destroying and burning of course. buildings? Oh, yeah, you want that. I mean, you want an ECF under your belt. So I mean, you can go home for one? Sure. A hundred percent. What sense does that make? I want the t- I want the appearance at least in an Eastern Conference Finals because now think about it, Nada. I mean, you're not going the 18 years that we've had since then, the 17 years, saying the Hornets have never even been to an Eastern Conference Finals. Like you can't say that had they just won Game Seven. What sense does it make? Does it make to say we went there, we got destroyed, and then we haven't been there since? Because that's an accomplishment. No, it's not. To to go to the Eastern Conference Finals is absolutely an accomplishment. 
All right. Uh, you know what? I ain't going to argue with you on this. Good. You know I'm right. All right. Let's go on to some other ones that Doug texted us. So Doug texting us some. So we we, we just we, we sent him the text, and then he said, losing game seven to the Bucks. That was the one that he yeah. offered us, and I agree with it. Um, another one was Bobby Phil's. That is a dark moment in Charlotte Hornets Ooh, history. Yeah. That one's got to be there. A lot more sentimental, a lot more heartfelt. But Bobby Phil's and his car crash and his fatal car crash, mm-hmm. certainly one that belongs in the bottom five Hornets moments in history. LJ leaving. Yeah. We had Zoe leaving, kind of. LJ leaving. You know, that one hurts LJ a little bit, too. Because it brought a little bit of a cultural aspect to Charlotte, right? Grandmama, LJ uh, leaving. That was a bottom five moment. Um, he said Mason getting hurt. I don't remember that. I, I don't remember it as much either. So, uh, and, and then his, my favorite one is Derek Coleman. And then he follows it up with just Derek Coleman. That's all. Like, that's it. <laughs> just yeah. Derek Coleman. And so I remember I caught a lot of flack for putting him in the top oh, yeah. 30 Hornets Sports of all time. De- you, didn't, you didn't have any problem with it. Of all the other problems that people had with it, you liked it. Oh, but that I almost, didn't have a problem. because no. Mainly because I remember <laughs> Nets Derek Coleman, how good he was. I don't remember a Charlotte Hornets Derek Coleman. <laughs> well, the Charlotte Hornets Derek Coleman. They're, yeah, we, we, won't, we won't try to make people run off of I'm not gonna lit- to I'm not going to relitigate that one. Sure, I, I don't want to either. And real quickly, he did mention Silas choking out Tyrus Thomas. And he also mentioned trading Kobe Bryant, but that's one thing that was always going to happen oh, anyway, God. so yeah. we don't have to talk about Kobe, but top bottom five moments, I feel like we named him at first, losing the team in 02, yeah. Anthony Davis 7-59, and 59, that can be all encompassed mm-hmm. you know, Bobby Phils, that one probably just holds a special place, that one's the true number one, yeah. and then we talk about the other bottom five because that is that one's such a different one where it, it just belongs in a conversation by itself um, losing game seven to the Bucks, I'm putting it up there, man, you're really not putting it up there? No! No, uh, uh-uh, uh, not again. No, not like not getting. I mean, it was it was a great moment for us to get there. It's 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 the best moment and and to to actually get to a game seven in Hornets history if you think about it. But also just what could have been. Uh, that, I think that one belongs up there. So uh, we'll we'll let you guys decide as well. Of all things that we describe, feel free to tweet at any of us and mention what you think are the worst, the bottom five moments in Charlotte Hornets history. All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you on Monday. Have a good weekend.